And I'm Lindsay. And this is episode 17 of Ningyo Bingo. Where you keep collecting dolls. But never seem to win the game. Um, so, recently I went to a convention in Texas. and Ah, yes, the convention in Texas called... Uh, Doll Acon. Yay! <laughs> okay, it's like 8.30 at night where we are. I'm like... This is my usual We're trying this is my, very hard. This is my fade out time, usually. Anyway. Uh, also, this will be the second episode we record while both of us are in the same building, and I can see her, and I can touch her. No. This is going to be, we're going to have a little oh. bit of a, of a wacky time today. Yes. Bear with us. <laughs> and, and if you're counting, this is episode four that we've recorded today because we did two video episodes. We did do two ep- video episodes and we recorded another recording. We yes. recorded another recording. And, oh know, my goodness. Today is go- this is going to be exciting. Yeah, no. Becca's no. got the wine. <laughs> yeah, I got this awesome apple wine from um, Chadsford. Chadsford? I don't know. It's a Chadsford. Yeah. Chadsford. I never know in this of the country, but you went to Doll Acon recently, which was super exciting. Yes, um, so in my presentation there, I went over some things briefly that you could do to get yourself more engaged with your dolls. Oh, that's right. So, I wasn't able to be there because I couldn't go to Texas, and Becca did a great job falling so flying, oh my gosh. Quite literally flying solo, but not yeah. actually flying. I was in the back, like, hovering between life and sleep um (laughs) (laughs) which is just being in a plane really yeah pretty much um speaking of which you april you're coming with me to a thing am i yes which thing there's a con there's a con and i clearly don't remember anything Um, no of course not because i'm telling you about this right now oh (laughs) wait you mean i I didn't know this already and i'm not forgetting it no no becca I'm like looking up the name of the con on my, my thing now. Calendar. Yes, what, what are we doing in April, Becca, that we are both going to, that I have, I have signed up for, apparently? <laughs> well. What's in April now? April? Uh, let's see. April? April? Try not to leave dead air. April? <laughs> I know, this thing is like not loading for me. Um, what is it, though? Like, what are we doing? Am I throwing you into the river? Like, what what's happening? There's a convention, and if I can scan to... It's like getting stuck. Anyway... What is the convention, Becca? <laughs> what it's are we an, doing? It's an anime convention. It's a one-day convention. It's at a college. Um, oh. And it's a very cute, small convention. I went to... They, like, have a mini-con off of this con, which is also already a mini-con. They're trying hard. Yeah, and ideally we will... What are we doing, though? <laughs> we'll be doing a panel. Oh, we're doing a panel! Well, we're gonna That's good for panel. me to know. I, I got, like, first dibs on a on a panel so so oh. we, we shall do this thing together uh okay <laughs> i'm on board <laughs> i mean like unless you're out of the country or something but otherwise uh, unlikely in april but that's that's thanks for thinking of me yeah because otherwise there's no excuse because it's in like edison new jersey around. oh it's something i can drive to yeah oh. no, like i know i probably it's probably Local. closer closer to you than it is to me this is yes it is so closer to me than it is to you working to me at all like in any case, apparently we're going to a convention in Edison where we're going to have a panel. Yeah. A. Um, but, um, speaking of conventions, we got way off topic there. Yeah, yeah. But, anyway. like, you had a really great time down at Acon. And right. I'm sure you saw a lot of cool things that people made. Yes, and, and the point of the conversation was, I was trying to say, like, 
we have a whole episode about that. But where I was getting into is like one of the ways you can re-engage with your dolls and to keep yourself interested in your dolls rather than getting into that, you know, uh, at this malaise, ten-year funk or five-year funk. Uh, what, what is? I think people say that people get divorced around like five to six years, something like that. But there's it's what? How do you engage with an object that's designed to be engaged with? It moves, it poses, it changes, it so begs you, to be touched. So you play with it, and you pose it, and then eventually you take photos of it. It's a natural progression of things, really. So today we're going to talk about basic camera shenanigans. Yay. <laughs> See, normally Becca sort of leads the episodes because she's really good at doing research and um, driving us forward. But of the two of us, I happen to be the more photography-minded there's a oh, lens okay. and there's a button on top and you make it shoot and it auto focuses. It does no it doesn't you don't make it shoot. Well you push the button and it makes it go boop and then the, the shutter it happens. It does kind of go boop. You know it, There is a boop, there's an autofocus boop. Well, as you can tell, <laughs> one of us has a little bit more of a photography than the other one. So I think I, I think today. I know today. I know right now. Um, we're going to be talking about a few things about photography. Not necessarily the basics of how to use your camera and lighting and balancing and all those cool things. But the tips and tricks of the trade that gives you better results that might not be obvious to you when you're starting out. Or even if you've been doing it for a while. There's a few elements about how cameras work and the scale that we're shooting at. That if you know them ahead of time, it'll give you a step ahead on creating more of an image that you'll be excited to share. And in particular, um, we're going to start talking a little bit about your camera and what it can do and what it can't do. And one of the most important things to understand about your camera is a lot of people talk about a camera as replacing the human eye. The human eye, um, the way it works is there's these lens, it's round and light comes inside of it and hits a bunch of stuff in the back of your eye and your brain goes boop, 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 boop and like makes it into an image in your head. But the one thing I can think of that's most notable between the difference between a camera and a human eye is a, cam a camera has one focal point and the human eyes have two and create stereoscopic images. In other words, it's why you are able to tell how far away something is from you. Because you have two images overlaying slightly adjacent to each other, so you can kind of tell, like, the glass is here, not to its left or further deeper. And the camera doesn't have depth perception. Mm, no, not really. It also has nothing on the amount, the kinds, the variety of light that it can take in at once. The human eye is awesome at looking at something and being able to discern details from the darkest shadows to the brightest brights. Hmm. It's something, and actually, our eyes are a little bit limited in this sense, but our eyes adjust so quickly when we're looking into a shadowy place versus when we're looking in a bright place on the same item that we don't realize that we're making minute adjustments with our eyes rather than it just ambiently looking that way to our vision. In fact, one of the weird things that I figured out when I started wearing contacts recently is that your eyes focus differently when you're wearing contacts as to opposed to having this focal point of the lens in front of them. That makes complete sense because the way glasses work is they're changing where that beam of light's coming into your eye yeah. from the world around you. And it used to be like to focus, to refocus with glasses on. Yeah. You kind of sit there and you kind of stare at it and you squint a little. And then like you adjust over time to your particular pair of glasses. To, to 
focus on something and, and get it into focus with contacts, you yeah. blink. <laughs> Which is ah, that's weird. weird. <laughs> yeah, no, that's weird. Because when you try to do that with contacts, if you try to stare at it, your yeah. contacts are going to dry out, and your vision gets blurry. When because you need to keep blinking dry. to keep moisturizing right. your contacts. Yeah. So um, the thing to re- the first tip that isn't particularly obvious to most people: your camera is dumb. Your camera is dumb and very limited in the types of light situations it can handle. A situation that looks plenty bright to you is because your eyes are awesome evidence of evolution and are really good at adapting to different situations. A camera can't handle in one picture the combination of really bright things and really dark things at the same time. It can't do it. It is technologically enable. Ooh, ooh, I know, a cool thing. What's your cool thing, Becca? So, a lot of new cameras, like the Samsung Galaxies and the iPhones, have an answer to this. Ooh. Is it called HDR function? Uh, I probably, so it actually takes... (laughs) It actually takes like more than one image in consideration at the same time. And then it actually, different different settings of image, yeah. And then it actually overlays the two images at the same time, and that and so, it replicates what your eye does when you look around. Yeah, so it does this very cool thing. Um, the iPhone five and six do this. I know most of the galaxies yeah. do this. Uh, the iPhone six has this additional because it's bigger. They actually yeah. are able to put yeah. image stabilization in there. Oh, that's super cool. Oh. Well, that's something we can probably Yeah, we're probably going to mention that in a moment. But um, what this means is, is when you have a doll, and dolls are highly reflective, the nature of resin is that it reflects things, which means it will appear brighter to your camera, because remember, your camera is dumb, than anything around it, generally. Especially if you're dealing with a very pale doll, or like a, one of the paper white dolls that Stal Chateau does. Yeah. Or so, the, uh... tip number one... Bring your doll into a situation where the things around it are as shadowed or bright as it is. Preferably bring them into a brighter place. Cameras are better at dealing with bright situations than they are at dealing with dark situations. But then what happens if your doll is so whited out? Like that it's like the like this any light that touches your doll just blinds out your camera. Yeah, like it looks like poltergeist or something. Well, in that case, you're going to have to find light sources to make everything around the doll brighter without putting the light on the doll. Ah, so directed lighting. Exactly. For example, if you have a very bright white doll and behind them a very dark background, unless you really want one of those things to be completely without any detail, that's not going to work. Bring it into a different situation with light. And if your light's good, it doesn't matter what type of camera you're using, it's going to look pretty darn good. The light matters much more than what camera you're using. And especially if you're using a simpler camera, like a camera on your phone, or a camera, like a point-and-shoot camera that doesn't have a lot of settings, bring your item into a brighter place Preferably natural daylight because natural daylight bounces around and does a lot of cool stuff. And that'll give you a step ahead of making something really lovely. So it's kind of just like my audio editing. The better your initial material is, the less crazy you have to do to editing and post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And like I said, cameras are much better at dealing with brighter situations than you are with darker situations because of racism. Um, partially because of that. <laughs> partially because of racism, actually. And then Which is also, a whole, there's a great article about this that you can look up if you want to talk about racism in camera settings. Um, um, but also the, the chips have gotten better over time technologically at seeing wider ranges, wider ranges. And also just, com- uh, displays like you yeah. used to have like CRT monitors. Yeah. And CR- we're both quietly watching a cat have shenanigans, but don't mind us. Yeah. So <laughs> you used to have CRT man- monitors and blacks were all col- colors displayed together. So it would actually, yeah. it would actually shine out. So right. Now we have the LCD and other monitors where you can actually have a true black. Where right. It's the absence of light. Right. So it's actually, yeah. we can have much better gradation of yeah. darker colors now. In addition, uh, yeah. the sensors on the cameras, the digital cameras, have gotten, come along yeah. too yeah. in doing this. So basically, even if to you a situation looks brighter, if it's about as dim as your typical interior home, home room, your camera's not going to be able to handle it. It is way darker in that room than you think it is. So take it into a place with a lot more light. Start turning all the lights on in the area. And then bring another light with you. And then bring another one. <laughs> yeah. But also, if you're finding that the light that you... You're, you say you bring a make light full of the room. Mm-hmm. Fill the room with light. Sometimes it'll give you really harsh shadows. Uh, or re- really harsh highlights on the dolls that are made out of plastic, wigs are made out of plastic. Oh, I think I know what to do. do you, what do we do, Becca? We diffuse it? We diffuse it! I, knew it. I scared the cat! <laughs> we scared the cat! Um, diffusion means um, a really harsh direct light, like the light directly out of a light bulb. Imagine a lamp. A lamp without the lampshade. And when you look at the lamp without the lampshade, your eyes hate you, yes. don't they? It hurts. But when you put the shade over it, which is a semi-transparent material, what it does is diffuse that direct light, and you can actually look at it without having your eyes burn out. Yeah, but by the way, we just had that cool little solar eclipse. So I did. You shouldn't look up directly at light bulbs, for the most part. Yeah, no, don't no, do that. No, don't do that either. No. Sun, light bulbs, is bad for you. Yeah. But if you have, if you're finding that whatever lamp that, say you turn a lamp to shine onto the doll and what you're doing, and it's get, giving you really hard highlights... Throw a sheer white napkin over it. What if I throw a sheer blue napkin over it? Then you'll have blue, blue light. Hmm. What would that make my, my photo feel like? Now, that's an interesting question getting into the temperatures of light. Because inside of your house, most lamps are a yellow. Yeah, and even if you have a lamp shade, as I'm looking at right now, over the top of uh, a, like a full spectrum daylight light. Yeah, this is a lamp globe over a full spectrum daylight light. It still looks more well, yellow. yellow. Whatever pro- object that the light is passing through, the light will pick up some of that color, which is a thing you can manipulate. But in your home, most light is fairly warm. Daylight's fairly neutral. But fluorescent lights tend to be blue. Oh. They work on a blue spectrum because light is shenanigans. So, um, if you have fluorescent lights and you're using them in the image, it's going to give a colder feeling to all the colors because blue light's hitting it. Oh, so could you, could you, like, put a little bit of a red diffuse over that to combat that? Yeah, you could bring, or they actually make, um, uh, gels that you put over light, uh, uh, flashes anyway, but you kind of want to get an amber tone over it. Oh, And that'll warm it up without going too far into one end or the other. So you want to add a little red and a little yellow. Little red and little yellow. 
Um, alternatively, your normal house lamps have a yellow tone that's going to be very warm. That'll bring warmth into the image. And daylight, you're going to have a, a wide spectrum of light bouncing around. So how important is it to get the light right in initially, and how easy is it to edit that afterwards? It's easier if it's brighter. And really, any image will look better if you have more and more complex layers of light than if you just have one single light. Okay, so... There's no replicating the effect of good light in the initial picture. So that that is generally the reason why everybody's like, I want to sell this. I'm going to wait for tomorrow to get some daylight pictures. Exactly. (laughs) Daylight is amazing. It's very, very strong. It's much stronger than any of our interior lights. And it gives a beautiful, it's just really beautiful. And part of it is when you're using natural light in a room, it's bouncing off of a bunch of stuff around you. It has layers of of sort of lights coming off in different places and layers. It gives a bit more realism to the image. Okay, what about different weather outside? Well, when it's going to be dark and stormy, it's going to be hard to take a good image because it's much darker than you think it is. But if it's sort of a cloudy day, the clouds act as a giant diffuser on the sun, and you'll get more gentle light. And time of day is important, too. Oh, because the temperature of the color changes a little, doesn't it? It does, as well as the harshness of the light. Mm. An overhead afternoon sun is like the max sun. Super sun. And that's all of your dolls' hats and hair throwing shadows over their eyes. Exactly. And the same thing that applies to people is that direct light right above your head causes shadows to fall on your face that make you look dead. <laughs> Which, I mean, could work for certain, like, punk pictures. Which, I like, there's, it's like, use this power wisely. But ideally, like, early morning and late afternoon are called the golden hour for a reason. Because the light has this like golden touch because of the angle of the sun versus the earth, and it's like got this really nice soft look to it. It's like got you get you get cool blue shadows out of it. It's really super great. So the other tip is go outside if you feel outside, but think about the time of day when you're shooting. Morning will give you beautiful light. Indirect light is better. Diffuse light is best. It can in most situations you can break rules once you know rules. But it really doesn't matter what camera you have if your light's good. A better camera, a more complex camera, will give you more options because the settings, and I suggest you you learn what the settings mean and what they do, will help you out. It's super cool. Okay, super great. So what are some settings that are available in uh, DSLR? What does that even stand for? Digital Single Lens Reflex Camera. Thank you. <laughs> Becca didn't expect me to know that. No, I, no, no. I actually, I actually did. Oh, <laughs> um, that means there's a little, there's a, what that means is there's a little mirror inside of the camera that, that um, reflects light up into your viewfinder. So when you're looking at your viewfinder, you're seeing exactly what the lens is seeing because it's offset. Oh. And then when you take a picture, the little camera lifts up like a little door. He gets out of the way, and then the light hits the sensor instead of your eye. Single lens reflex. Okay, that being said... That is not really important to the conversation, but um, if you're not comfortable with getting into things like... And I suggest you do become comfortable with the manual settings on your camera. For dolls, because often we're trying to replicate a feeling of scale as if they are real people. 
I suggest using flower mode. Uh, ma- macro? Macro. It's, it usually looks like a little picture of a flower, though. It, it does. It does. If it says it's a little picture of a flower, and it's a mode that it that um, prioritizes settings that help small things look good. As opposed to, to the one that has mountains on it, which is... You don't want the mountain setting. No. That, no. One's, that one's for, like, when you're, like, looking through glass or something, at, like, a larger it's, landscape. It's meant for landscapes. Yeah. In general. It's meant to ignore focusing what's close. Yeah. It's meant to focus everything in. And um, with small objects like the dolls, what really helps sell the realism of them is a feeling that the depth of space they're taking up is similar to a human being. So we're tricking it with the, um, the, the depth of field macro mode. Yes. yes. We're basically making a trick with it. And um, going along with using your camera and positioning to trick, your, trick the pick people looking at your image later... If you think about most pictures of people, the sort of point of reference on that picture is about where their eyes are. Or about their nose, like the middle of their face. What do you mean by point of reference? Well, um, imagine that you have a head, and then you have a camera pointed at the head. Oh, okay. The camera's at the same level as someone's eyes, or at someone's nose, like somewhere in the middle of the head. That we're holding the camera physically compared to the head around the middle of the head. So you're telling me in order to take take good pictures of dolls you gotta get down on your knees you gotta get down you gotta get down you gotta get down (laughs) okay the the wine is kicking in my friends (laughs) um i need more wine keep talking oh god she's leaving me she's abandoning me (laughs) no this is fine it's good it's good good. oh lordy this I, i can't handle this much power but you want to get low to the ground. You want the camera you're holding to be eye level with the doll. Or at least like below, like eye level or lower. And that will help give the illusion that the what you're taking a picture of is to scale with normal people. If you take a picture from above pointing down at all, you're going to emphasize how small that thing is. And it'll be like a giant looking down at small things. And it will sort of break some of the illusion of the scale that we're trying to achieve. Because I think a lot of the fun of taking photographs of the dolls is putting them in context of a world that they live, that they exist within. Which is on their level, not ours. Yeah, so if you get a blade of grass or a flower in focus, and it is the same size as the doll, or, you know, the flower is the size of their hand, and you're not exactly trying to depict a tropical environment, it might seem a little odd. It looks out of scale and will throw off the illusion, unless that's something you're trying to go for, like with a pookie pookie or something like that. Mm. So, one thing about the should try to keep that illusion of scale between the dolls themselves and other objects is to have the doll far in front of any other objects in the view. Because then the depth of field between the focus of your picture, the doll, and your background is far enough away that when you're trying to focus on one, you're not going to focus on the other. That's part of it. Yay, I did a thing. (laughs) (laughs) And also, the doll being more in the foreground of your photo will make anything behind it look smaller. So that ends up with the illusion of the doll being bigger. Ah. So, for example, I've seen several beautiful images where you have the sort of the doll very hard in the foreground, and there's like, they're like sort of up on a hillock. A hillock? Like like a a little bit of a hill of grass. 
And then you see far behind them, like, the blurry image of a house. And they look very in scale. That's called the photographer laid in the grass, because this is what you end up having to do to get the right height in, in versus the doll. And that house is so far in the background. Like, the distance between the doll and the house is super, super huge. Okay, so I'm laying down in the grass trying to take this picture of the doll. Yes. My hands... Welcome to your new life. I've had... I've had two glasses of wine. She's on her second glass. You haven't had it yet. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. How do I keep this camera steady? <laughs> There's actually, like, a proper way to hold a camera. Oh. That is designed to make it easier to hold it still. Okay. Basically, you take, if you're a right-handed person anyway, mm. um, you take your right hand and you, wait, wait, I have to, like, I have to, like, envision myself, myself, myself holding a camera and, like, think about how I hold it. Imagine myself holding the camera. <laughs> you take your left hand and you cradle that underneath the lens. So, like, holding the butt of a doll. Yes. You hold the lens like you hold the butt of a doll. I'm sorry. We did call this shenanigans. I don't know what I expected. Oh, <laughs> uh, we put, you put your hand underneath, you cradle the lens in your left hand, um, sort of, like, in your palm with your thumb and forefinger, like, circle, like, making a circle around it, and you hold the grip of the, the, um, camera in your right hand with your thumb ready to do, like, the shutter and business like that. And, um, one, and that is a really great start to holding steady. So now we have two points. How do we make a tripod? You put your elbow on the ground. Ah. <laughs> You're already on the ground. Brace yourself. And another key thing that I learned from working really low light situations is breathe in, hold your breath, take the photo. Hmm. Breathe out. You breathing can sometimes be enough in a low light situation to cause a little bit of shake because of the length of time your shutter is open, which is a whole thing you should look up separately. I'm not here to tell you how your camera works. I'm here to tell you how to make things look like small things in big places. Okay, so I know I've seen like some of those like little gorilla camera holders. Oh, the tiny little small ones. Yeah, they work really well too. Yeah, and I know especially on the mi on the macro scale when you're when you're taking pictures of small things. A little bit of shake in the camera results in a lot of bit of shake in the image. Yeah. Because you're dealing with something so small and there's numbers and math and science, but... And I think even my tripod has the ability... It has, like, this... Uh, so, tripod. You imagine three legs that go out and it has a center pole that can raise up or down. I believe mm -hmm. my tripod has the ability to have the center pole unscrewed. Like swung down. And swing down. Yeah. So I can actually have the camera mounted underneath yeah. the tripod. Because the whole trick is you want to get your camera as low as possible to give the illusion of the doll being as big as possible. That being said, unless I'm trying to take a picture from underneath my doll, what I usually do is I just use the... If I just use... So the tripod has several uh, telescoping... Telescoping? Scooping? Telescoping. Telescoping legs that um, come out. I usually just release one of the legs. No. Oh. And it's usually just enough. enough. Yeah. To kind of get it lower. Right. You can also use those, like, the Gorilla tripods are really good for macro if you're trying to get really low to the ground because you can kind of bend their leggies so they're really low. <laughs> and um, another trick to... Um, Kind of keeping yourself steady. And like, as we're talking about this, there is a little bit about lens choice that goes into helping the illusion of something being um, smaller or larger in the frame. Um, a lot of... <coughs> excuse me. 
your cameras, even your small point-and-shoot cameras, have a minimum distance they can be away from something before they can focus on it. Oh, yeah. For example, a camera cannot, some cameras cannot be closer than one foot and still focus on what's in front of it. Uh, how do you figure that out when you're shopping for one? There'll be a minimum, in the, um, the specs for the camera, there'll be a minimum distance spec. And it'll, it's called minimum distance, or MD. And it'll say minimum distance, 12 inches. Minimum distance, 3 feet. And the longer a lens, and this is getting a little bit of tech talk that I'm trying to avoid, um, you, what you really want, if you're, like, really serious about it, is you want as small a minimum distance as possible. Because that allows you to get closer to the doll and... Being closer to the doll allows you to kind of crop things visually to help the illusion that they're an actual human being you're taking a picture of. They also, um, macro lenses, which are specifically designed for taking pictures of small things, help do some cool things about being able to focus on very small things and magnify them for the camera so they don't look very small within the view of the camera itself. And it allows you to be closer to the doll, which allows the doll to be closer in the foreground which allows things behind it to look even smaller. I got lost. I'm sorry. <laughs> Going on a journey. And if, if Drunk Becca can't follow me, then nobody else can. So basically, <laughs> macro lenses yes. help you get closer to your subject when they're small. Okay, so I have the camera and I'm physically closer to the doll. That means the doll is closer to the lens, so it's bigger in the lens. Okay, so I'm taking up more of the image of the lens with just, just the, the doll. doll. That means that anything behind the doll is going to look smaller because it's farther away from you and the doll itself. I see now. Yes. Of course, I'm sitting here doing, like, using my hand to visualize this, so I guess... So this is a little bit of a difficult concept, but macro lenses really do help you out, and they help to do a few visual tricks that kind of will help you get the illusion. Of course. But you really don't need them as long as you're, like, low to the ground and you're thinking about where things are in space and And that kind of stuff. I'm almost... I, I, I have a Canon G9, which is... Yeah, it's, it's older. It's older, but um, we were getting closer to... A, it was one of the first ones with, I think, a full sensor that was kind of in that compact size. Yeah, yeah. And it was... Um, it's pretty good. It doesn't have all the manual controls that a yeah. DSLR would have, but yeah. it got me far. But I've actually graduated to... I barely even touch it anymore because my... Your iPhone, iPhone does a better job. E, yeah, yeah, actually does much better, especially in low yeah. light situations. They can take beautiful photos. Yeah, but you really need to be low, and I highly suggest you don't use flash. Yeah, I turned off the flash pretty yeah. much permanently on my iPhone. What the flash does is it creates a harsh, sudden light right in front of you, and generally you're fairly close to what you're taking a photo of, which washes everything out. Everything's a bad time. If you yeah. need more light, turn on more lamps. Don't use your flash. Yeah, I, 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 we had this funny time today um, because I have this, I think this is the second time about me talking about Ikea stuff. Ooh. I have an Ikea lamp. Oh, Ikea is so good though. Yeah, his, the Ikea lamp, lamp name is Not. Um, <laughs> Not good. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's actually very good. <laughs> yeah, no, because I was, I was saying, yeah, Not is good. And I'm like, wait, no, I mean, the lamp, lamp not, not is good to have. It It's... It's not good. I mean, not is... <laughs> it was very confusing. I was confused. Becca was confused. Yeah, okay. But that being said... Okay, not is this lamp that's very fun to use indoors because it has the one globe that actually points upwards. Yeah. And Most... then there's one that you can direct around. 
because uh, most yeah. ceilings in indoor spaces um, are, of houses are usually painted a color of white. Which is great, because as we mentioned earlier, light bounces off of things and then turns that color. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't think we got over talked much about bouncing light. Oh, that's true. That's a very good point. I'm um, going back to light briefly, which is the most important thing you can possibly do to make an image better, is if you if you have like a harsh light and you need it to fill your space with more light, but if you point it directly at the doll, it creates really harsh highlights, which is no bueno. Then if you take that lamp and point it at a wall or a ceiling, it will bounce off of it and diffuse as it bounces. There you go. So it bounces as a bounce and it diffuses it. So if your ceiling is white, it's going to bounce back in a white, white color. Way. And then it will also fill the room a bit more and help give you some more ambient light to kind of fill in all the shadows around you. So going, cool. going back to Knot, the yes. lamp. <laughs> the lamp called Knot from Ikea. It has this version of Knot because there's one that's just the globe that points up. Yeah. This one has the one that points up, which is nice because it bounces back down and fills yeah. the room with yeah. nice white bounce light. light. It also nice has, this, has this one arm on the side where I can point it wherever I want. You can have a spotlight. Yeah, you could have either it's have a cool. spotlight or use it to bounce off of something. Like, you can bounce off of a color, too, to add a little bit of a color to it. That's true. It can have, like, a color cast if you're doing something, like, really cool and it's kind of fantasy-y. Yeah, and if you use... Oh, this is cool. Have you ever seen, like, colored shadows? Uh-huh. They're really fun. They're fun. And the way you do them is you have a weaker diffuse light that has the color in it also bouncing around. Yeah. And it fills the shadows in. There's, it's super cool. There's this one super cool part in Disney World where there's yeah. like this color room. Where, like where they had all these lights in a way. Like, yeah. You like yeah. H- held up your hand and there was like a green shadow and a blue shadow and a red shadow. Oh, they were doing cool light things. That's so neat. Oh, uh, I had this really oh. cool photo. Yeah, no, it was super neat. Super good. And it's sort of an advanced thing, but like just the, and also like as an exercise to make you better at using light and especially when you're taking pictures of your dolls, if you want to use cool light shadows, is do like exercises where you don't look at like you look at the shapes of shadows look at where they're falling are they making a cool pattern mm. and that cool pattern can sometimes be good like in a photo and like the pattern of leaves across someone's face can look really cool oh yeah like like and i guess throughout like the... stripes of darkness across the face is really dramatic I remember all the really cool, like, eclipse shadow. Yeah, where it was, like, you could see, like, the eclipse in the shadows because of the way that the light was happening. That was because they were were all acting as little pinhole. Big pinhole cameras. Yeah. Super neat. Super cool. Okay, so before we got distracted with everything, there's also another, with the fusing, another element that can help your dolls look more lifelike is thinking about how you're posing them. Yeah. The first step is to think about how you're putting eyes into the head. I know Becca has a great has some good knowledge about putting eyes in heads. So I have a trick. Um, well, number one, putting eyes into heads. I don't know if we've ever mentioned this before, but you don't want to use anything with an oil or a dye in it. So do not use sculpt. Use, use like sculpt. a white or a clear um, tacky, like museum tack. So I've heard of museum st- tack's great because it's designed not to destroy things. Sticky tack. Is good if it's white. Blue is bad. Don't use the blue. Because <laughs> the dye can transfer. Um, uh, Resin is That I've also heard silicone clear earplugs. Oh, I've heard that too. They work pretty well. Yeah, which of course is just silicone, which is 
highly inert. That's why you can mm-hmm. put it into people without much of an issue. And it's, of course, clear, so there's no dyes in it. Yeah. It's in its, like, natural state, I think. Wasn't she so nice drinking over... Drinking? Oh, talking over me drinking my wine. <laughs> Trying to save you from the sound. <laughs> Trying really hard. She's the best, best co-host. I appreciate hearing that from you, Drunk Becca. <laughs> Thank you, Drunk Becca, for this compliment. <laughs> Anyway. But, um, yeah, it's about eyes. About eyes, yes. So, placing eyes. My trick. Yes, what's your trick? So, you place the first eye kind of where you want it, and you get it stuck in there. So, so placing eyes, you usually, there's many, many things, but. And so, a partial, part of his personal preference as well. Yeah, so you can put a little dot of the sticky tack on each of the kind of, like, four corners of the globe. Um. Yeah. and, And push it in there and hope it doesn't get forward into the eye well so mm-hmm. that you can see it. Um, but once it's in there and you have the first one kind of set where you want it, you can get the second one close, and then you want to place the doll's head so that it's looking at you. Yeah. So, and then you cover the one eye. Yeah. And you look at the other eye, and you see if that eye is also looking directly at you. Yes. So then you switch between the two, and if they're both looking directly at you, by covering one eye and then covering the other eye, you know that you kind of got them in line. Yeah. Our eyes, while they are like two separate globes in our head, we're focusing on a point in front of us, which is a bit of a triangle. Like, if you drew like a line between our eyes and then between our eyes what we're focusing on, it makes a triangle. Yes. So they are supposed to be pointed slightly, like in inwards towards each other slightly. Yeah, and that being said, if you're... If you're trying to check the focus of it and you're really up close, then she's going to look cross-eyed. So, you, you know. Need to give yourself some distance, like give, a good foot and a half. Give yourself an arm's length. It'll yeah. be fine. Uh, give yourself the, the amount of length that it's going to be between the camera and the doll. Yeah. Because. And, yeah, because you want a, li- a one trick to making a doll look lively in a photo is to have the illusion of them looking into the camera. Yes. And. Uh, so so usually I I adjust my doll's eyes at arm length. Yeah. And if my dolls are looking too dead or not into it, I usually give them a side glance. A little bit of a side glance on the eyes, yeah. Because how often do we ever look directly straight at something and stare yeah. into it? So, yeah. I mean, most of the... So you can eat it, Becca? <laughs> can I eat it? Oh, lordy. I just quoted Get to Room Man with somebody that actually knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, um, having the eyes see, appear to be focused on a distinct point in space really helps a lot with bringing liveliness into the expression, no matter what else is going on with the face up or anything else. And if you're doing a set of photos, like a photo shoot, it can make the doll feel even more alive to change the way the Suddenly. eyes are set yeah. um, between photos because then the doll looks like it's changing. <laughs> so. Like we're not um, humans aren't static creatures. We're constantly moving and shifting and our eyes are moving around and refocusing. So bringing that into the doll really helps a lot. Also with posing try to think about what your own body can do and if you move your arm in a way that makes you go oh god this hurts then don't put your doll's arm in that position. Yeah, the way the way I usually describe it is, uh, have you ever seen like that the how it's made for like Disney animators and things like yeah. that, where you kind of sit there and you watch the animator watch themselves in a mirror? Yeah, look it, at yourself in a mirror. That's it. Yeah, yeah just kind of like sit there and try out the pose yourself and see what kind of like what yeah. you're doing. Oh yeah, and then you can kind of mimic that in the doll. 
Um, another thing you can do is if you kind of want to try to recreate a very natural arrangement of limbs, look up pictures. Look up pictures of fashion magazines or whatever kind of um, sort of uh, expression of body that you are interested in and see if you can replicate it with the doll. And Which may require things happening to the doll like wiring and such, but... Wiring, maybe uh, using a rubber band to hold things together, using a clear rubber band to make the doll actually hold something. Yeah, using clear objects that will sort of disappear in the photograph to kind of have things in place. And um, one thing I would like to always say is out of frame is out of mind. Oh, yes. An elbow that has been popped out of joint and then rubber banded together to keep that arm up near the face. If it's not in the frame of the image, nobody knows. Yeah, exactly. So, or even if you have your friend over there holding it in their, that position. Yeah, and your, their hands are cleverly out of view of the camera. Anything outside of the frame of the cameras, you, when you look through the camera at the doll, nobody else knows about. Nobody knows that you had a stick propping them up. Nobody yeah. knows that there was a hand there poking up their arm. And some of the most incredible sort of in-movement poses that I've seen online, there is behind the doll a wire stabbed into the ground and wrapped around their waist underneath their clothes in a way that you just can't see. Or someone used fishing line. And there's a contraption armature that you don't see outside of the frame. Like, there's a lot of tips and tricks going on in there. A lot of movie magic going on to those images that um, if you start thinking about, like, how realistically could this happen? It's not just entirely Photoshop. But sometimes it is a stick that's been Photoshopped out later, which is a whole nother category of trying to bring, like, um, liveliness into images. But I'm trying to keep it to, like, things that you can do immediately to make your life easier and make things look more more interesting. Yeah, the the one thing I can think of is the... uh... Smart dolls have that cool little monopod. Yeah, when they have like the thing in their back, or you can like poke it in like a Figma. Yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. handy. But it also reminded me of okay. So now I remember the thing we're going to in April. Oh, what are we going to April, Becca? We're gonna go to Kogara Con. Oh, is that why you sent me that link? Yeah. So it's because she sends me things, and I'll tell me what they are. So it's in Middlesex County. College. Actually, I think I meant to send it to my sister. In New Jersey, I assume. Yes, in New Jersey. Oh, it's in New so Jersey. So we, I just went to Kogar Fest, and they had this cool little um, corner, which was designed for humans, um, which was a Polaroid corner. Oh, that's cute. So they had a Polaroid camera that looked like a Hello Kitty. Oh, man. And that's so cute. a whole bunch of yukata and things to put on. Which That's fun. I, my, my, that's super fun. That my brain was going a little crazy with because they weren't, like, folded all neat and everybody yeah. kept throwing them back. And Without like, folding them and being nice about it? Yeah, no, and I'm, yeah. like, very particular about putting my yukata and kimono away. Yeah, because otherwise you get these horrible creases in the cotton. Oh, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Okay. I'm mean, like, you know, just no, no. No. You fold along the, the seam lines, please. Actually, that is something that reminds me about dolls. What? Iron your dang clothes. Oh... Take, like, they do make, like, tiny craft irons. Uh, yes, um, da, 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 quilting irons. The, the quilting irons, if you iron out, like, shirts, in particular, like, because a lot of what, um, the materials are made out of are, like, well, some of them are synthetic, but some of them are just, like, thin cotton. Yeah, iron it, your shirts. Put it on low. <laughs> Very low, and maybe have, like, a, a... A towel between, like, you can even take a full iron and like, put a towel between the iron and the garment. Be very careful with it, but you can iron them, and it really helps a lot with the drape. Uh, it, it helps bring, like, a bit of realism into the drape. Hmm. Because it's not, like, because they're such small items that they're easily crinkled 
I like very small things or like weird sewing and ironing things when you make them is great. Uh, as well as like in general, having clothing that is in scale in terms of pattern and grain of the fabric really helps a lot too. Oh yeah. So 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 this thing they had this um they had this at Kogara Fest they had this um panel like yeah. room divider kind of panel and it had cherry blossoms painted on oh, it. Oh, that's cute. But the cherry blossoms were of course painted towards the top of the panel. <laughs> yeah. So I held the doll up and I was holding the knees and a little bit of the back. Yeah. And the person with the Polaroid took the picture cropping my hands out. So, oh, that's super cool. So we have this cute little photo. I, I should put it up on the yeah. website somewhere where we have the doll looking. Yeah. Unfortunately, not exactly at the camera, but um, yeah. in scale to this cool, um, you know, rice it's paper a, screen. And fire. that's another, that's an alternative to getting yourself low to the ground is bringing the, the doll up. Yes. Especially if you're doing like just from chest up. If you hold the doll, the doll, the doll. Oh, the doll. <laughs> if you hold the doll up higher so that behind it, if you, as you're eyeballing behind, the back or behind the doll, look looks like it's at the right level for a normal human. And as long as your camera's at the right level for the doll to look realistic, then that's also a really cool thing to do. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people do that for for places when they're traveling to make it look like they're staying in front of like the Sydney Opera House or something like that. Exactly, Way or in front in of a distance. city screen or something. Like if you put your doll on like a table and you don't show the table and you crouch down so your camera's at the level of the doll, then it looks pretty great. Yeah. Like think about things in more like three dimensions, not just where the doll can sit on a desk or a table. Lift them in the air, put them down on the ground, put yourself on the ground, put yourself in the air. To the walls, to the ceiling, to the floors. Um, so what about other types of backgrounds? Yeah, there's, um, especially there's very popular backdrops that you can purchase that are, like, the image itself is in scale with the doll itself. And if you look carefully at them, usually they have a sort of fuzzy, like, the edges aren't very clear. There's a sort of unfocused quality to them. Yeah, and, like, the bottom quarter of them is actually floor. So, yeah, exactly. The intention of those is to be put behind the doll and hung so that as it hits the ground, the floor part of the image kind of, like, rolls forward a little bit. Okay, so it's like an L instead of a sharp line. Yeah. And the real key to using those very effectively is bringing the doll further away from it so it's truly in the background so that it's sort of fuzzed out quality matches where the doll would be in space. Hmm. The problem I was finding with them is they're, they're usually not wide enough unless I'm really cropping the image. To yeah, you. that is the problem with them is you can't bring, unless you have a lens that is like meant for macro that will kind of be narrower uh, the further back you go, it's harder to get things sort of positioned well. But I highly suggest you try to make the background far enough away from the doll that the natural um, effect of the camera lens of like putting things out of focus that are a little bit far away when you're focusing towards the front is sort of emphasized. Okay. Like the fuzzy, when you look at an artist's photo and they're like, the person's all in focus and behind them is like fuzzy colors. You want those fuzzy colors to be where the backdrop is. Isn't you want the backdrop a, to do that. Isn't there a name for that? There is a name for it. For some reason, I am forgetting it. Oh, well. Oh, well. Ah. It's the first thing you forgot today. Is it really? 
I mean, Are we sure? Other than I am prone to forgetting. Other than the other episode and 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 mini me's, it, it's a depth of field, depth of field thing. Um, bokeh. Ah. Hey. Um, bokeh is the term for the fuzziness in the background of a camera of a of a image, and especially if you're using the the macro settings, you'll have deep a lot of depth of field. It'll give you a lot of bokeh, which is really good for you. And you want the backdrop to be in the book, so the the bokeh zone, as opposed to right up behind the doll, where it's fairly sharp and in focus. You don't want it to be in focus in the picture. It works better if it's not. Okay, so because then you can't tell it's fake. Our doll is posed. Our light is good. Uh, we got our background in, in order. Yeah. Which leaves us with this little... This line that Becca's pointing at at our list of things I'm supposed to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> we have notes for me. Because <laughs> I usually I usually don't need notes necessarily because I tend to follow what Becca's saying and I have plenty to say. But we also have accessories. And keeping accessories in scale with our dolls is particularly hard in America because they're sort of in an unusual size bracket. Yeah, I mean, you can get some stuff printed online on a, what do you call it, Shapeways? Oh, you can do, you can get, um, uh, lord, plastic printing? 3D printed. 3D printing! You can get things 3D printed to scale um, to the dolls. Um, Generally, like, for example, the term one-third scale doll means that anything that you want to put with them should be one third the size of a normal human version of that thing. Yeah, and and, in and general, so on and so forth. One sixth, one fourth, etc. And, and in general, one fourth is around the size of the um, eighteen inch. Uh, what do you call it? American Girl. Dolls? Yeah, the American Girl dolls. So it's right around the right yeah. size. It's ish. Yeah. One one key one thing to do is instead of trying to rush around trying to find something specially made for BJDs. Try to see if there's a doll existing in the American market around the same size and buy things made for them. That being said, you may or may not need to actually make it yourself. Yeah. Um, depending on what the object is, if anyone's actually making it, this is a great time to get arts and craftsies. But even um, when you're making objects, think in, don't just think in terms of the size. Think about the materials and their detail size in relation to the doll. Yeah, so, for example, you might have a guitar, and it might look pretty good. In terms of, like, size scale, but... But if they use the wrong strings for it, it's gonna look shitty. The weirdest things will look out of... Will make an image look out of place. Like, um, using the wrong grain wood. If you're using wood to make something, and the grain on the wood is fairly large, even compared to human beings, next to a doll, it will emphasize the fact the doll is small. Yeah, uh, there's some woods that are known for, in, in general... Also, hob- wood is pretty good. Yeah. Hobby crafting wood that you find at hobby stores for trains, uh, for making train stuff. Oh, oh, here's a fun one. Uh, to replicate, um, to replicate the look of, um, Tatami. Oh! Um, I'm excited about this. Uh, there's some things, a few things I've seen. One is actually some rolled screens that they have at Ikea. Oh, that they use for, like, lighting, like... No, it's actually for, like, screens for, like, a window. Oh, like, window screens. Those work very nicely as tatami fill-ins. But what I ended up getting was a picnic mat. Oh! I know the kind you mean, where they're, like, crisscrossy, like, small-scale, like, straw. Yeah, yeah, they're they're just straw, and it's sewn together, and it looks very much like tatami. Yeah. 
So it's important to think in terms of not just the size the item is, but what it, it the the texture, the texture, the size of the texture on it. If it's fabric or fur, you're going to try to find things that are very small, that are very fine, and and just like a few objects that are in the right scale will help. Even if other things aren't quite the right scale, if a few major items are, that helps the illusion. So, so if I manage to be awesome and take a picture of my lishy at a bar, <laughs> and I manage to become behind the bar counter so I can take a picture of her from that perspective, I can have her elbows leaning on that bar. And you know there's like that little ledge thing, which, yeah, is, the, yeah. which is like, don't dip your... Thing off the edge of the bar dummy bar oh yeah the thing that's like so you don't just like whack your glass off yeah that so even if that's there if she has a mug that's the right size, size. and then i have yeah. the rest of the bar out of focus in the background and we're talking about being at a real bar then it'll feel pretty good exactly as long as like especially if what is out of scale is sort of out of the focus of the image and it's sort of in that bokeh zone. If the things that your doll's directly relating to is in scale, that'll work beautifully. Yeah. Now I want more... more. I, I got this one image forever ago at yeah. the... Um, oh, the one that happened... I believe in you. The one that <laughs> happened in uh, New York. Um, yes. Dollism. Oh! They had actually bought, uh, built several mini sets. Mini sets, that's so cool. They they built a replica of an actual ramen bar. Oh my goodness! It was super cute, super cool, and I took several pictures of Tempest there. I bet that was great. It was super good. That is super great. Um, other ways to find things that are in scale: go to flea markets and find antique doll stuff. Yeah, because. Um, Doll scale wasn't as set as things are now. Yeah. And because things used to be a lot less reproducible. They were more we, individual. And, and yeah, when we hit the plastic age is when we really yeah. started hitting that standardization. Yeah, because of the way manufacturing changed. So so when you you didn't used to be able to get so many things out of one mold because you were doing yeah. ceramics and firing or clay and drying things that things are like take that. more particular craftsman time. So because of that, yeah. there was more variation in scale, and because of that, there was more variation in size. So you might yeah. find something that works, even if you have a very oddly sized doll. Like I have a Batchix um, Dark Elf, and he's a weird between size. <laughs> it's like you might be able to find something. I know um, a few people through Instagram have beautiful sets that they've created for their dolls because they've looked for antique doll furniture. And they can generally find things that are in really nice scale. Um, tiny bottles are easy to find these days in craft yeah. stores. Look for anything that's meant to like make small jewel small jewelry findings are really good. Oh, and uh, if we're talking once again about getting dolls drunk, those little sample <laughs> bottles are pretty good. Yeah, the little tiny sample bottles for liquors are like a great small scale and they're already kind of pre-made really cool like and, they already have a labeling and stuff that's already small yeah and if that labeling doesn't work as well get your big it. one scan yeah. it and make it smaller Print it really small and then take <laughs> off the old label it's super cool the things you can do if you start looking at things less as like what they are like in a cosplayer mindset of like i see this foam could be something else like uh, the weirdest one I found is I was actually in a thrift store, and yeah. I found, like, glass bottle 
filled liquid Coca-Cola. That's so cool! It was super tiny. And it was like in a it was like in a six pack carrier too, like oh, a cardboard carrier. Oh, that's so cool! Like novelty thing. I have no idea who made it for what, but I found it in a thrift, thrift store. store. Yeah, hunt thrift stores. Um, a great way to get um, fabric that is in scale is to look for children's clothes at thrift stores because they yeah. usually have very small scale print. Yes, and we'll talk about this more when eventually we talk about sewing. Yeah. <laughs> and then Becca will lead the episode and it won't be me leading the episode. Yeah. But there's a lot of ways this sort of find cheaper way. You ha- it's a lot of putting the time in to kind of just look around and keep in your mind like how big your doll is and how big is this item. And if you're not good at eyeballing things like sometimes I'm not, measure a glass then divide it by four for a one-fourth scale and then you know what size you need to look in scale. Generally. Okay. So one-fourth would be multiplying by 0.25. Yes. And uh, t- as an easier nice. one, uh, by to get something in one-third scale, you would multiply it by 0.33333333. Things don't divide well by three, but you can stop at three. <laughs> like... Divide it by 3.3-ish, and that will give you an idea of, like, what the actual height of the thing should be if it's hard to eyeball for you. Yes, and also... And only a few things will do. Oh, oh here's a really good thing. Yeah. If you don't yeah. know how long, some, how big something is, in the United States... Yeah? A dollar bill, or a $20 bill, the do- the bill of, of monetation... Monetization? The, the, the money bill. <laughs> The paper money thing <laughs> is six inches long. Oh, it's exactly, and it has to be exactly six inches because of the standardization of money. Bingo. So if you yeah. take a, a bill this and, you, is cool. and you don't know how long something is, or you're trying She's to estimate thinking. it, you can take, if you have a, if you have a dollar bill in your pocket, in which case, bless you. Um, Good for you. So, or a 20 or a 10. They're all the same length. If you do, if you fold that bill in half, now you got it at 3 inches. If you... Uh, fold it in half again, it's 1.5. Bingo. Hey, I, that is a cool trick I did not know. That is you, super neat. And if you fold it in half and then fold that half in thirds, you now have, if you crease those in really yeah. good, you have a, One third a six inch ruler. Oh, that is so... I see Becca's smart. Even when she's on her second glass of wine. I'm getting Look there. how smart she is. She's there. not done the second glass yet. She's like halfway. Don't. This is not a challenge. Oh. <laughs> she started chugging it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> that's not what you do. I will turn this podcast around, young woman. <laughs> I will turn this podcast around. I'd like to see you try. <laughs> I mean, it would be very hard because access to all the important things. Um, anyways... In terms of accessories, be creative, measure things into scale, and unfortunately, the dollhouse scale is way too small for anything but Pookie Pookie, so that doesn't help you much. Yeah, including the <laughs> the remints. Oh my god, the remints are so good. Remints are great, but they're too small usually. Now, there is some erasers you can find on a lot of Asian markets. Oh, the thing. Korean eraser thing. Yeah, those are pretty eraser good. Eraser I need to drink water. I'm out of it. Oh, just drink wine. You'll be fine. I am not drinking your wine, drunk Becca. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> these erasers are kind of like an in-between. They're, I think they would be best for slightly bigger dolls, like Elder Apple House doll, SD16, mm-hmm. SD17. Yeah, they are, because they're a little bit larger. Yeah, uh, some, you they, know they vary what? in scale. In the same vein, scrapbooking supplies. 
have yeah. a lot of weird things that are really small. Like, they even have, like, tiny metal compasses. Oh, though, talking about this, um, right, uh, coming into, this will be released in November. Is this our November episode? Yeah. Okay. I have a month to worry about people listening to me and joke Becca. <laughs> We um, should probably make this a regular bit. Drunk Becca and Lindsay trying to run the show. Well, hey, <laughs> you can it, see what happens when I'm in charge. When you when you come over, that means I can drink because I'm not driving. And this is true, and I just don't drink, so you know. yeah, no, this works fine for me. It works out great for Becca. <laughs> <laughs> so point point of previous statement was, if this is November, okay, yeah. it's November. All the store is pretty much set up. At, like they they had oh, the Christmas. they had the October decorations and the Christmas decorations up at the same time. Christmas know, like, is still happening. Yeah, uh, so I'm not so so they're decorating for they're they're putting the yeah. shops are putting up stuff for Christmas. You know what goes on Christmas trees? Tiny tiny instruments. Tiny tiny instruments. Tiny tiny everything. Oh, that's true. That is a great way to look for things that might be in scale. Is to look at um ornaments. And, and other uh, Christmas decorations. And, I, and I've mentioned this before, but a lot of times those uh, wine bottle covers, 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 covers. Yeah, those. Um, this is gonna be a great podcast for Becca, not drunk Becca, to edit later. Oh yeah, this is perfect. Um, <laughs> I hope you all are enjoying this. If you want more drunk Becca, send us an email to minyobingyo oh, at gmail dot com. No, I, I, I refuse. <laughs> if you're enjoying this, please let us know. Anyway, I will attempt to make it happen. Those those wine covers um work pretty like, well. For the sh- ones that are like sweaters and things like that. Yeah, they work pretty well yeah. as a sweater, a Christmas <laughs> ugly Christmas, Christmas sweater, sweater yeah. which is a tradition in the America. Yeah, will work <laughs> in the north. Great. You United usually, States of America. Sometimes you have to take off the hands. Sometimes the arm length is a little short and length comes to the, mm-hmm. the elbow. And you might have to take off the head to put it on. But then you have an ugly Christmas mm. sweater for your doll for $5. Which is honestly about as much That's as That's pretty we, cheap. Yeah, it's less than we'd pay for chipping think, from another, yeah. another um, Another thing that occurs to me talking about Christmas is you know that's, that sort of Christmas ornament where it's people singing like the chorus. Like they're all like, like um, street singers. Uh-huh. The dolls that are, like, about the size of a one-third BJD, I realize. Oh, if they yeah. sell accessories for those, that might work, though. I haven't particularly seen accessories. Do you mean the Buyer's Choice ones? They're actually, yeah. produced, they're actually produced pretty close to here. Have you ever been into the, uh... No. Oh, I'm I've never been there. You. I'll go! I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if they'd let us film. We stare at each other now in this sort of, like, confused conspiratorial way. Uh, we, we have we have high ambitions. Yeah, that would be cool though. They might not mind. We'll have to. We, it's, it, you know what? If you don't ask, you never know. So, yeah, it's actually they're, they're not that far <laughs> from Chalfont, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really a matter of being creative and looking in unusual places for things that might be of a size, and just a few accessories in the right scale will make that photograph go bam. You just have to. Oh, you know what I really love to do with photos? Yeah, tell a story. I love telling a story of photos. I like. Like, elements, especially within one photo, being able to t- give a sense of, like, something happened before this photo happened, and something's going to happen after this photo happened. Yes. So, so a photo is like a moment in time, and while, while supermodels kind of sit and they kind of, like, lean one way or something, it doesn't really... <laughs> As I lean over and look at Karina, who is doing, like, the model thing. It doesn't really say 
anything about the moment or where you are or anything. I had a photography teacher who called images like that swans on a lake. And he would talk about how anybody can take a picture of swans on a lake. And it will always look good. It just It's just a thing. It's just beautiful. But there's not a lot of thought in it. And there's a place for swans on a lake. They, they have a reason to exist. And I love a beautifully done swans on a lake. But why not add something a little bit more to it? So I love I love pictures like when um, my doll was able to sit sit in the one third scale ramen shop and it looked like she was raising her hand up in order to order something. Yeah, I liked the picture where my 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 Maya one fourth scale uh, Volks was in front of my house with a straw actually <laughs> holding her arm up. Because it was her playing being at a, a marching band later. Right, right, right. Like, even, even that with her just standing there, because her arm was up and, like, she it kind of looked like she was getting ready to march. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It had the, the story in my mind of, like, someone yeah. pretending to march right down, down the street with a young girl. Yeah. It's super cute. One of my favorite photo stories I've ever seen on Den of Angels was a woman did a series of, like, like sort of Yuletide, like, you know, the first day of Christmas, second day of Christmas, telling the story of an elf character amongst her dolls trying his very best to prepare for Christmas. And every day was a different little, like, um, little, a little different sort of situation that she took a photo of with a lot of layers of, like, sitting on the ground with a bunch of broken crayons trying to scribble out pictures and pictures were all around him and he was, like, laying on his stomach with his feet kicked up. Aww. It was super adorable because it told this really beautiful like step-by-step story and each photo had like a little little something happening in it oh so cool so since we're on the topic of photo stories i'll i'll do talk about this one last thing last this one last thing last yes which is photo (laughs) stories traditionally photo stories have been in the format of um a photo which is highly usually largely unedited because people ha- hadn't had access to photo editing programs yeah. that wildly You don't need at the to time. edit much if your light's good. Yeah. If anyway. you take anything away from this, light is the key to happiness. <laughs> you, you sure it's not wine? I am absolutely certain it's not wine. Are you sure it's not happy husband, happy, happy life? I am absolutely sure it's light. Okay. I am 100% short light in this context. Okay, anyway. So, <laughs> good light will Traditionally, photo stories have been you place your photo and uh-huh. it was usually done in a in a form photo form format. Yeah, okay. So then underneath the photo, you would have a list of characters almost like you're reading a screenplay. Oh, like next to the photo. I remember those. And you would describe the action that each person would play and it would have the yeah. dialogue next to each name. Like a yeah. screenplay. Yeah. So with you. this, there's been an evolution as people have gotten more access to um, Photoshop and, and things Gimp like that. And other editing programs. GIMP is free. So Where you can, you can layer and put things together. And you could actually do something more in comic book style. That's cool. Where you like make each photo like a panel. Like a comic book panel. Yes. Which is what I I end up doing because I had some experience Super doing cool. it. Um, what I recommend is the book How to Draw the Marvel Way. Which I don't even know if it's in publication mm, anymore. I would be more inclined to go towards Scott McCloud's book. Which is definitely still in print. Um, mainly for Scott the, McCloud's Guide to Comics, for the record. Yeah, mainly for the one section which explains 
how panels flow. Yeah, yeah. So if we're reading a Western comic book. Yeah. You le- read from left to right. Yeah, yeah. And the way this works is you can actually edit an image or draw an image in the fact of drawing one mm-hmm. that will lead your eye left to right yeah. as well as everything else. And then when you get to the end of the page, the action on that page can actually... Like kind of drive you to turn the page to the next section kind yeah. of thing? Or if you're, for example, let's say you're on the first column on the first page. Yeah. yeah. You can actually have that action on that top right lead yeah. you back to the left again. Oh, because of the direction of the flow of the image and the way it's composed? Yeah. Yeah, super cool. So so you can actually have panels that are mm-hmm. designed to make your eye reader move. follow it and not have your reader's eye jump to the next section yeah, earlier. Yeah. Which is very, very cool. Um, it's it's worth a read. It's worth maybe the it's, it's fun libraries. It's to know. Please it's visit. To know. Please, please visit your libraries and don't let them die. <laughs> a lot of libraries allow you these days to download an app and borrow books digitally. So mm. that's also like it still gives them a lot of um, traffic. So even if you can't get to your library, go get a library card and get their app thing. Yeah, and I mean like um, Kindles. I got a, a, a yeah. I got a, a Fire. Kindle got them fire over there. I got, I got, I got, got this fire. I got this fire in my belly. Really? Oh yeah, you do. I'm gonna move this over here. I know. I'm taking her wine away. Why? I was just. You'll get it back after what we're done. I was quoting fairy place. What was that anime called? Fairy thing. You know what I'm wrong. I'm just gonna let you try. So, like, there's a lot of ways to take photographs you make and then kind of bring something else to them. Especially, like, if you can combine really great lighting and thinking about the color of your light with an interesting awareness of your backgrounds. Um, think a little bit about where the camera is in relation to the doll and, how, and like, really look at what the doll looks like through the camera lens. Look at a lot of photos you like and try to think about what do all these have in common that I like about them. And if you have some really key, cool accessories, you combine all that together and add a little bit of story... You are aces. Yeah, you'll create a photo that, if you, especially if you create a photo that has the story and has little details and everything, it creates a moment that you want to kind of stare at and like... You think about it. And you pick it apart and you just spend time yeah. on it and you dwell on it. Like just a person think, yeah. goes into a museum and sits at a, a painting and yeah, sits there and thinks about, about it. it. Yeah. yeah. Think about the photograph you're making, maybe like a page in an illustrated storybook where there's a moment sort of being captured. And that will, and you, if you might notice, at no point have I said at any time, you must have this camera. No. Well, it helps, and certain lenses help, but it's all of these things that you can, you don't have to really spend money to do these things and, and I, to try to bring them into your photography. And to be slightly, well, financially ableist. Financially ableist? <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm trying to put these words together. Uh, a a lot of people have a smartphone. Yes. And a lot of people's default smartphone is an iPhone. And they don't take bad pictures if there's and, enough light. And iPhone 5 and greater have really decent cameras that actually yeah. can focus up pretty darn close. Okay, here here's a test. I have mine right here. Yeah. I'm going... on this on this audio medium and... as you're trying to display the photo. Okay. 
Um, uh, she's currently oh. got her iPhone kind of cradled okay. in her hands, close over a pen, to show how close she can be to take a photograph. Okay, how many inches and away? And I would say she's about like three to four inches away from the object, which, which is pretty, pretty darn good. close. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm dialed in. Yeah, I'm, I'm focused. Um, but as terms as as photos go, it really doesn't take a lot to kind of on a basic level just get to a better place. Step one, light. Light, 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 light. Everything else will follow. And it doesn't matter what camera you have. If you have enough light, most grainy bad photos are bad being very subjective is because you're not having enough light. I cannot emphasize enough. Think about the light in your space. Take photos and think about the lights like this and the photo looked like this. What do I need to do? Is it too dark? Let's make it brighter. Oh, uh, and uh, when you're testing that, make sure that your your doll's looking at your lens. You might need to adjust it a little. Yeah, like I, try to think about where they're looking. Think about where they are in space and where their limbs are arranged. And you should be good. You should be just fine. So, if you want to talk to us about your adventures in taking photos, and if any of our um, advice actually helped you, I would love to see. So, if you, if this advice legit helps you, and you take a photo, and you're like, "Dude, your advice was great," like send us a. Sure, I want to see it. Yeah, uh, send it to us. We can I even see it. with your permission. You can tweet at us. You can send it as an email. You can post it on the Facebook page. I would love to see what people do if any of this advice helped you out. Yeah, and if, if you can't post it on the Facebook page, you can always send it to us via our Gmail. W will post it. Wait. Be like anonymous or whatever. Or... Right. So that's n i n g y o b i n g o at gmail.com. And if you if you would like us to, we can post it on our Facebook page for everybody to ooh and ah. And if you're feeling shy and you're like, can you post this anonymous? We will totally do that for you. Yes. We got you back. Absolutely. Um, if you'd like to tweet at us anything about today's episode or tweet at us any photos you took thinking, uh, keeping some of this stuff in mind, our Twitter is the same as everything else that we do. It's Nino Bingo. N-I-N-G-Y-O-B-I-N-G-O. I actually got it right this time. Yes. And of course, our website has... A big list. It's a very, very simple 90s PHP website. <laughs> it's enough even... so you can find where else we are. Right. It, and and right on that front page, it has a list of all of the links to all of our social media. And you'll be able to find us there. And, of course, you can find our uh, our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and By Google Play. Way, if you like what we're doing and you go to iTunes and you give us a review, we will both love you forever. Very much because, so. Because um, the amount of reviews you have actually helps people find podcasts. And if you yeah. want to help people find the podcast, you can tell them that we exist. That's really cool. Yeah. And then, um, and of course, we also have a YouTube where we said we were working on some videos to release there because it's a great yeah. medium for what is... A visual, very visual, yeah. I'm really excited to, um, gosh, I've already forgotten what it was about. We did two today. We did two. What was the first one? Okay. I'm excited about the first one. I'm also excited about the second one, but I'm mostly excited about the first one. What did we talk about? Grail dolls? It's been a long day. Grail dolls! Um, up on YouTube, if it's not there already, we're going to have a video talking about what is a grail doll and what does that mean in our hobby in particular. And we're also going to talk about... 
um, Becca's brand new Karina and her joints and her joints are a new journey for, for Becca. So we're going to compare her to some other dolls that we own and talk about benefits and drawbacks and slowly coming to love Karina for who she is. Yes. So, <laughs> so as you uh, consider what your new options are for a camera that does maybe does a little bit more image stabilization because you and ha buying more lamps. So you have more light and, uh, Figuring out how to properly hold your camera so that the line that you had doesn't make everything a blur. Uh huh. Both, both, uh, both in the in the image and also just from blacking out. I'm not quite sure where the sense is going, Becca. <laughs> I'll just remember to keep on collecting dolls. But keep a budget. <laughs> Why episodes that end up like this?